Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by predictive content analytics software, Inbound Writer, and online proofing and collaboration platform, Proof HQ. Now, here are your hosts from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Chris Moody, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Content Pros. Really pumped to be joined by Kyle Lacey today. Thanks, Chris. And Kyle, great to have you. Uh, For those who don't know Kyle, he is uh, at OpenView Venture Partners, where he leads uh, their marketing efforts. Uh, In the past, he's been for huge successful companies like Exact Target, where he led uh, their content strategy uh, right into the acquisition by Salesforce. And, uh, you know, amongst his uh, resume is writing books like Twitter for Dummies, uh, Twitter Marketing for Dummies, as I like to say, anyone who can write a dummy book, but be an expert. So, Kyle, great to have you on. Um, uh, thanks for that. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Um, so, so maybe we can we can dig right in on on the whole jump you've made. You know, going from you know really a, a content expert like a brand like Exec Target to the venture side, and you know maybe the question that I think a lot of people are wondering these days. Um, and I drink the Kool Aid because I'm I'm in a startup at Uberflip, so we're always you know eager to find out what VCs have to tell us. But why in general have people become so intrigued? by what VCs are writing from a content perspective? Um, you know, that, that's a, it's a great question because it's something that I asked myself before I joined OpenView, right? I, I, I think that VCs have a very unique perspective, especially ones that, like OpenView, that spend quite a bit of time in the inner workings of their portfolio companies. Um, they have they have a view that most people just don't have. Uh, You are constantly involved in the um, strategy behind the startup or the company that you're working in. You're constantly involved in what it takes to be successful in a go-to-market strategy or content strategy, Um, pricing strategies, market insights, like everything you could possibly need to know in order to run a company. We're seeing that um, times 15 times 20 on a daily basis because we're, we're involved so heavily in the portfolio. So I think that's why you see like Google ventures has their design sprint where they help, um, where they help portfolio companies design products. And that's led to a massive content strategy for them as well. So, you know, when you're, when you're on the ground with the companies working together, you're learning a lot. And if you're working with multiple companies at the same time, you can develop processes that can usually be replicated. Um, And that's where I think some of the venture capital content is important because we are finding those inner processes, whether that's a go-to-market strategy or it's a pricing strategy that can be replicated. So Kyle, we've seen the stats. We've run into each other tons of marketing events last year. I'm sure we will continue to do that this year, but Content Marketing Institute, Marketing Profs, they've worked together to do a great amount of research around content, and we know that roughly a third of companies have documented content strategies, which is astonishingly low. So I'm curious, from what you see at OpenView, how important is it to have a documented content strategy and to actually be doing amazing things with content? 
Well, I mean, it's pretty simple. It's, it's, a, it's extremely important to the success of any business. Because if you think about content, it's more than just having a content marketer or a content marketing team, right? Uh, content could be anything from your mission statement to your values to the data sheet that you're sending to the video, your video demo to the thought leadership piece that you produce to the presentation, right? To what, we're, what we were doing at conferences last year and what we will do in the future, right? It's content is a part of every single piece of a business. And if you can't tell that story the right way to the person you need to tell it to, to like that persona, then you're not going to be as successful as businesses that can do it really well. And I think that's why we've seen, I mean, we, the three of us know this, that we've seen a massive uptick in, in investment in content because people are starting to realize that that's what sets you apart because that what's, that's what makes you unique is the stories that you tell but it's it's a part of every business so it's extremely important yeah that's that's a great point I, w- I want to dig a little deeper on on what you're doing at open view and you know we talked about this a bit recently in terms of what is that goal you know what's the goal of creating content at open view I mean it's an interesting model that you have because um, you know as I mentioned a lot of people are reading content from VCs not just the guys who are going to go in and pitch for money um, but everyone so is your goal uh, lead generation or is it you know purely engagement and awareness how do you measure that goal uh, that you're setting for yourself we, we have a little bit of both and it's, it's a little bit um, different than a normal SaaS company, right? Because we're, we're not really selling anything. But we do have a lead goal on, like, email subscriptions. Um, you know, we're approaching 85,000 email subscribers to get our content on a weekly basis. So we do have a number that we try to reach. And then, of course, we have the engagement metrics in terms of, like, time on site and unique visitors and stuff going to our About Us page or going to our lab site. But um, we think about content and marketing in general for a VC firm in two separate categories. And, and in terms of like SaaS vocabulary, it's, it's a top of the funnel and bottom of the funnel approach. So we, we produce content as an investment team. Um, like recently we ran an article in TechCrunch about billion dollar valuations. That is for like the CEOs, the COOs, the CFOs of the growth stage, expansion stage SaaS companies that we want to reach, right? They're the ones reading that. They're the ones, the the startup founders that will eventually become those companies that will put Series C or Series D money in. We want to reach those people from a thought leadership standpoint. The bottom-up approach is more of our publications site called Labs, and that's labs.openviewpartners.com where we publish on a daily basis, and that's more for the practitioner. Um, like how do you design a nurture campaign through Marketo or through Eloqua, right? Or through Oracle or through Salesforce or, you know, you can name 9 billion different tools. Um, how do you design a pricing strategy? How do you figure out what your market size is for a new vertical that you're going for in terms of, you know, your B2B SaaS product? Um, and so we want to reach those practitioners because as we influence people below, and we influence people up high when that CEO talks about we need to raise more money and he's talking to his leadership team like the VP of marketing and the CMO, you know, we want them to say, oh, OpenView, we've been reading. OpenView's really helped us in terms of how we build our strategy. Um, and that's really what we're trying to do. It's more of like how do you 
how do you get more customers and get more talent? Because those are the two things that we feel like are extremely important to the growth of any firm, any company. So Kyle, you mentioned earlier that one of the things OpenView loves to do is talk about trends. And I've seen some of the amazing you guys have put out. It's phenomenal stuff because you can analyze so much data you have on portfolio companies and how they're performing and the demographics there. But what are some of the top trends you're seeing in the marketing industry? And bonus points if it pertains to content. But, you know, of the <laughs> things that you guys are seeing, you know, how are things changing and how is that determining success? Man, I, you know, one thing that I've seen happening and not necessarily in our portfolio, I mean, it is happening, but also outside of it, um, there, there seems to be a transition between hiring demand gen and hiring an editor. Um, there, it used to be, from a content marketing perspective, at least, you know, when I started doing it in like 2012, um, which wasn't that long ago, actually, if you think about it, um, there was, it was mostly, let's hire an editor, let's hire journalists, let's hire people that can produce content constantly. I'm seeing a shift in people wanting more marketing ops um, on top of just the editor. So if, they're, if, they're, if they have a small budget for a marketing team and they have one headcount and they're trying to figure out if they want a marketing ops demand gen person or they want an editor, I've actually seen more people hiring marketing ops and demand gen that I am like true, pure content. So that's one, that's one of the main trends that we've seen. The second trend I think is just persona development. Um, I think it's easy to talk about personas, buyer personas. I think a lot of people talk about it, but not a lot of people do it. And I've seen more people getting involved in building buyer personas around their go-to-market strategy and even like their content build out content calendar. Who's, Who's CEO Charles or, you know, all the stupid names that you could come up, up with a personas. Um, those are the two main ones that I've seen recently. I've just seen more activity around those two buyer personas and then trying to decide between like pure content play or a demand gen. That's a, that's definitely great, and and we're seeing a lot of that ourselves. I'm sure Chris too, out there. And it's it you know as you touch on on editors though, um you know whether someone has one or not, they could always uh, use the solution of one of our sponsors, and that's Inbound Writer, and they'll help you actually figure out what content's going to perform before you go and write it. And Inbound Writer is a content analysis tool that forecasts how your content's going to perform based on real time analysis of your site competition, even search engine behaviors. It tells you which topics will work so you remove a lot of the guesswork and get to creating the right content. They're offering a free trial of their tool at inboundwriter.com slash content pros offer. So you know you, you touched on a lot of great points in, in that last answer you know, from Chris and one of them that you, you touched on was buyer personas which ultimately takes me to personalization and um, you know I'm sure you've you've really been thinking about personalization for a long time going back to exact target um, I know recently uh, together we we've kind of partnered between OpenView and, and my company and Uberflip mm -hmm. to to do some personalized experiences to specific cities maybe you can you know talk about about that example or talk about other other ways that you're trying to to really target the people you're trying to reach out to yeah I, I think that you know if you're if we're talking about the future and and a tr trends to me are what's happening right now 
I think future of marketing is definitely personalization of data, right? Using data for personalization. I think we were early at Exact Target talking about it, but I see it, it is, you know, with machine learning, with companies like Narrative Science, it's the future. It's going to happen. Per, so personalization is, is key to any marketing, um, especially because you want to be involved in what that individual person wants, especially if they want to buy from you. So, you know, from a venture capital perspective, we, we tend to focus on um, specific cities, and, and that includes Salt Lake City and Chicago and Austin and San Francisco, of course, as well as Boston and New York um, and Seattle. And so we've partnered with Uberfoot to do a, a content site called growth.in, so growth in Austin, growth in Seattle. And what we're trying to push towards um, is how do you create a site? And, and you see this with like built-in um, and some other like startup type um, sites. But how do you create a personalized experience that's more lifestyle oriented for a CEO of an expansion stage company that's growing pretty rapidly? That's city specific. So if you're in Austin and you're running Spreadfast, for example, um, what type of content do you want to read? Because those are the people we want to reach. We want to reach the networks around those individuals because they're board of directors or they're investors or they're, or, you know, they're angel investors. Um, so we're trying to personalize based off of city, but it, I mean, it gets as, as big to re I mean, retargeting, I think falls into that a little bit. You know, we have a lot of people doing retargeting ads. I think that your content changing on your website based off of browsing behavior is also something that should be taken into account as well. So personalization is extremely important. I don't think we're doing it very well yet as a venture capital firm, though, in terms of our content strategy. We're getting there, though. Well, Kyle, when, when we were talking before we pressed the record button, uh, you had mentioned that there are various different kinds of content you guys are producing, and some are bottom-up, some are top-down, and you're trying to find that sweet spot where you meet in the middle. I think a lot of folks are fairly new to personas for from marketing. Yeah. I mean, I think they may mention it, and it comes up at events, but if you actually did some digging, it's probably very loose, and they don't actually have content assigned to specific personas, and in many cases, there may be an aspirational persona. So, like the CEO you mentioned, you may have marketing managers or marketing directors reading your content, you're trying to reach an entirely new audience. So, what are you guys seeing that's working to build out proper content plans based on personas? Well, you know, it's the best thing I ever heard is done is better than perfect. And I think that people think so much about buyer personas that they just don't ever do it because they're just too busy doing just random campaigns or random one-off projects, right? I think what um, the first step is definitely trying to figure out your top buyer personas. So for us as, at OpenView, it would be the CEO of an expansion stage B2B SaaS company that's growing at a specific rate that has North American customers. I mean, that's the, and then we try to define that buyer persona which in, within each vertical, like healthcare SaaS or um, HR SaaS or, you know, uh, marketing automation, like those different verticals. You have to define at least a couple buyer personas. And then what has, or what is starting to work is that we then append email marketing to those personas. 
So our content strategy is how do we produce content on a daily basis? And then how do we personalize content to each of those personas, whether that's a uh, head of HR, head of talent, or it's the VP of marketing for a SaaS company, we are then emailing them more personalized content. So the blog is kind of the, the starting point. And email, you know, we send every Saturday morning at 8 a.m., we're delivering an email to five different persona groups. And we're feeding that email with blog content. So that's what we've seen work. Um, I think that from a, from a B2B SaaS company, buyer personas are extremely important in terms of the, the funnel. Right, your your top of the person that's going to download your thought leadership report might not be the person making the final decision, or vice versa, on the software. So you have to understand what different points of the journey are happening, and then who are the people that are looking at the content to push to the end goal, which would be ACV, right? Which would be to sign deals. Um, that's where buyer personas come in, in my mind. I know that was a really long answer. I apologize. You nailed it though. I mean, I, I get that, that email every Saturday morning. I never knew that there were five other versions, but I, I, I think I read five out, of, five out of the six articles in there. So maybe you can send me a second version, even if I read two more. <laughs> Perfect. Could, I will. Could, could be great. You know, it, it's interesting. You, you talked earlier about some of the content on labs.openview.com. Uh, uh, um, I may butcher that, that URL, but. Um, you know, and, and I think it's it's an interesting thing that you guys have over there, which is that you essentially have a consulting group built in. And one of the things that I've always said that content is really just teaching. Um, you know, it's taking some of those best practices. So how are you? You know, how does that that group work, and how are you able to leverage some of the the insights you talked about HR earlier? Um, how are you yeah. able to pull that into the content strategy that you're creating? Yeah. So the so. It's labs.openbpartners.com, just so you know. <laughs> I don't want somebody going to some <laughs> random, really really weird website and blaming us. Um, so, so the labs team is about 20 people um, within OpenView, and they're made up of market insights. So think of like a mini McKinsey and company. It's made up of sales consultants, marketing consultants, and talent consultants. And pretty much everybody that's within that group are practitioners. So. Um, I'm a part of that group from Salesforce and Target. We have an early HubSpot employee. We have somebody that ran demand gen for Brightco, like people who have actually been in the trenches. Um, and then we then build campaigns and work with our portfolio on certain things. So like, for example, we hired 100 people last year for our portfolio because we have eight people on staff that do recruiting. And 30% of those, 30 to 35 of those people were engineers. So as we do all these campaigns or we're doing a pricing strategy, um, like based off of your competitor set, what should your pricing be around your SaaS model? And then how do we help you implement that? How do we help you launch that? So through all of those things, right, through all those campaigns we're doing, we're learning constantly and we're trying to apply that back to content on labs because the whole point that we exist is to help B2B SaaS companies grow and to scale. And if we don't supply that information out to the, to the populace, right, of those groups, then um, it's harder for us to, to then transition to be better, and it's harder for us to be known, because um, that's where our true value lies. If you're a B2B SaaS company growing at a certain rate, like we are the best 
firm for you because we that's the only thing that we do. That's the only thing we're focused on. We're not making investments in Instagram, right? We're making investments in in really solid B2B SaaS companies, um, and we have processes around how to help them grow. And then, so that's why Labs comes in is because we want other people to know that. We want other people to learn and to succeed based off of our learnings. Well, based on that, I'm curious, what's the editorial process around qualifying some of those guest writers? Because, you know, with yeah. being a venture company, everyone wants money, right? Every startup wants more money to grow. They all think that they could be the next billion-dollar valuation, or, or some think that at least. So how do you how do you filter out the requests that may not be the best fit to contribute content with you guys? Well, we don't, we take a little bit of a different stance with content creation compared to our investment strategy. Because labs, because our lab site, our publication lives a little bit outside of that, because we want to help startups grow as well, right? You know, the, the, um, the whole concept behind it is if you have great content that hits a certain categorical range that we have on the lab site, so it could be market research, sales, marketing, talent, and HR, leadership, and a couple other points, and your main um, target is B2B SaaS, then, you know, we will look at your content. And it also depends on the size of your scope, the size of your audience as well, because we want to also then return the favor, right, and publish content on your platform so that we can share in terms of audience growth. Um, so there, there's not, we don't really have it and maybe we should, we don't really have a very defined process in terms of how we pick or choose certain people. Um, other than you got to hit a certain c- category set and you, your content has to be good, right? And good can, <laughs> good's based off of what our communication manager thinks is good, of course, which she's very good at what she does. Um, but that's, that's usually how we think about it. Uh, you, made, you made me feel good because I did make the cut once, so that, that makes did. me feel good. There you go. <laughs> you did. <laughs> um, you know, maybe maybe building off that idea of, of becoming the expert and becoming the, the, the content writer that other people want to cover, um, you know, both both you and Chris talked about being on, on the speaker circuit, and, you know, that to me is just another form of content and getting your message out there and being able to speak to people. What's the key to getting to the point where you're at where where you know, people are, are looking for your company or, or certain experts within the, within the company to start to be those thought leaders outside of the blog in person? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I, I think that the first part is faking it until you actually make it. <laughs> I think that's actually a large part of this. Um, your ability to be... Um, your ability to believe in what you're saying um, and and be able to pitch yourself in the right way is extremely important um, because not everybody starts with having a ton of experience and your ability to tell a story and your ability to present in the right way is extremely important. Um, you know, publications like writing for uh, third party like TechCrunch and VentureBeat and all those and Mashable and all these other sites are good. Publications like actually publishing a book and going after Wiley or Pearson or all the other ones out there is was extremely beneficial to me. Um, I think that I 
from a speaking standpoint, it was a little bit different at ExactTarget Salesforce because uh, it was, you know, from a vendor standpoint, it's more pay to play a lot of times. So when we were up in front, we did well. I think that Chris and I are very good speakers in general, um, which then leads to more thought leadership. But um, that's just something to keep in mind that you that if you're on the vendor side and you're going to conferences and you're speaking, you need to be completely obsessed with how you're presenting your material and making sure that it's engaging, making sure that you get some laughs and making sure that what you're sharing is actually viable. I, I'll remember Chris's first slide till the day I die, which was a picture of his son, which is pretty much one of the cutest pictures I've ever seen in my entire life. But he humanized the process before he ever got into any of the content. And I think that being obsessed with how you're presenting a story and being able to tell that story in the right way and actually make it appeal to the audience you're in front of is extremely important because you're engaging. And most people can't be that engaging on stage. And if you can do that, then you're, you're way beyond where most people are at. Love that point, Kyle, because what you were hitting on there, I think, is so true. And conviction. I mean, the more yeah. you present, the, I think you start to become uninterested in topics that you aren't passionate about. So I think initially it's like, oh, I'll present about anything. And, and now if it's not something that you can get up there and bleed for, you don't really want to do it. And, you know, to your point about the, the slide, I actually call that my awe slide. So every time when I present, I have a picture of now two kids. It was one at the time. And everyone says, oh, and it makes me relax. So it's one of those things where I've gone through uh, various testing and figured out that, hey, that's what works. It makes me feel more comfortable. But Yeah, and uh, you know what? It's also, it's also practice, right? I mean, just like a comedian goes and does stand-up so that they can catch jokes on audiences, the same thing applies with presentations. You have to do it constantly. And I think the reason why a lot of times people stick with the same decks, because um, if you get to the point where you're doing it constantly, you get really, really good at it. And you can start testing different things on what makes people more engaged. And, you know, you, you did it so much with the pictures of your kids that it became an, an off slide, right? And I have some of those within my presentation decks where I've been doing it for so long that I just know that's the go-to to get people engaged from a content perspective. And it's just, it, being good at presentations, whether you're pitching a VC firm or you're at a conference, is, is something that I think people should spend more time on and more time training on because it's extremely important and it's valuable to have. Well, getting that feedback on a slide share or a presentation or any other type of content is something that our other sponsor can help you do, and that's Proof HQ. So one of the trickiest parts of content creation is approvals and edits. You go back and forth on making the logo bigger, is this the best photo we have? We can kill all that drama by using Proof HQ. It's a slick web-based system that allows everyone on your team to instantly collaborate on content executions. You can work together seamlessly on blog posts, ebooks, slide shares, infographics, and more. You'll be more productive and more creative when you use Proof HQ. You can check it out at bit.ly slash Proof HQ. So Kyle, talking about collaboration and working with other folks, I think you alluded to the fact earlier that you're kind of one foot in each path where you have a foot that is representing OpenView and creating content for the company and then another that is helping other companies in your portfolio and trying to make sure that you're pulling them along. So what's the process like of trying to help others with content when 
you may not be the one producing the content and you may not even have the accountability to drive the results, but how do you balance trying to offer best practices and tips and suggestions? Well, I think they kind of go hand in hand, honestly, where, you know, if we have, if we have scenarios where we've helped a certain company increase, cut down sales time, sales cycle time, or maybe they're increasing ACB or increasing lead flow, um, you know, it benefits us because we're helping our portfolio. Um, and then when we publish those findings and we publish the processes behind how we got there, um, we are we are building thought leadership around getting other companies like the ones that we helped into lead flow for the investment team. So I I don't know if we necessarily um, do a very good job balancing that necessarily, but um, I think that there is a defined process that could be found within any system and with any B2B SaaS company, depending on whether you're enterprise or you're, you're going more like the, um, the transactional route. Um, there's processes that you can apply to anything like that if, if done over the course of, of time can work. And that's where we try to, and that's where we're going to try to position ourselves in the future is how you can do something more like a sprint, like what Google did. You know, they have a defined process around product development and making that an actual thing that people can download and use, even if they don't become a portfolio company of ours. I mean, that's really where, that's really the heart of all the content creation that we do is trying to define processes. That's that's great and and yeah, definitely inspirational to you know big and, and small companies. So what, one of the last questions we'd like to always ask is a little bit of fun. It looks at where you wanted to be when you grow up, and I can tell you that uh, you know my kids definitely don't want to be B two B marketers. Although one is <laughs> they want to work at Uberflip, but I think it's because they know I have a ping pong table here. But uh, you know where did you want to be when you grew up? Looking forward, assuming it wasn't a B two B marketer. Oh man. It, um, so early on in my life, um, I wanted to be a civil war reenactor. Like that was, which is really odd. Like that was the one thing I was obsessed with the civil war. I was obsessed with the movie Gettysburg. I've seen the movie Gettysburg like 65 times. And I basically wanted to be Martin Sheen as Robert E. Lee in Gettysburg. Um, I had the entire union suit with a, with a, um, I had to buy a drum because I, I was too young to own a musket. So I had a drum for a drummer boy. Um, <laughs> early on in life, it was a civil war reenactor, um, moving into high school and college. It was definitely music business and recording studios and stuff like that before I got into marketing. But my heart is still lives within that 18, 1855 to 1865 timeframe. <laughs> That's okay. We're gonna we're gonna have to get the convince and convert team to change the uh, badges we give for for content pros at the end to give their their job and their wannabe job. Please do. Yeah, yeah and I'm surprised we haven't seen you dressed in that outfit speaking at an event, Kyle. I mean that. I should. Lots of people go with the bow ties. Like that would really stand out if you're dressed like Robert E. Lee. <laughs> with a beard, I'd have to grow my beard out and dye it white. I think, but. I might, yeah, I like might the KFC like, campaign, right? The ab scene. Absolutely. What can content marketers learn from the Union Army? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thanks so much for your time, Kyle. This is a great chat. I love what you guys are doing. If you guys haven't subscribed to OpenView's publications and their blog, you should definitely go out to their site and do that. On behalf of Randy from Uberflip, I am Chris Moody from Oracle Marketing Cloud. Thank you guys for joining Content Pros. You can subscribe at contentprospodcast.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher, anywhere you like to get your podcast. Give us a listen. Please leave us a review, whether you love it or hate it. Thank you, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Oracle Marketing Cloud, Uberflip, Proof HQ, and Inbound Writer, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by...